Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be with you again as we continue making our way through God's Word, one chapter at a time over the course of three years. It's our 352nd day in God's Word together. I believe we're going to be doing this for 1165 days, but I know at the end of year one, we'll be a third of the way through and we're coming up to that milestone. I'm glad you're here. We're in Judges. We're in the middle of the story of Samson, the most famous of all the judges. A very troublingly conflicted character. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we turn to his word this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, which is living and active, which is perfect, which is powerful. Father, speak to us through your word. Show us our sin and our need for you. Show us your grace and your sovereign love. Show us your plan for your people. Show us Christ, our Redeemer. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Judges, chapter 15. After some days at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took torches and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you, and after that I will quit. And he struck them, hip and thigh, with a great blow, and he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock at Edom. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah, and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? They said, We have come up to bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom, and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, We have come down to bind you, so that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. 
Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put it on his hand and took it and with it struck 1,000 men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out of it. And when he drank it, his spirit was returned, and he revived. Therefore, the name of it was called En-Hakore. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Hmm. This is just more of this sad downward spiral of Israel. Here is Samson, and he's close to Judah. Now, Judah, back in the time of Joshua, Judah was probably the most faithful tribe. You had Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, you had others, and and they valiantly captured a very large territory. And, but they ended up being right up against the Philistines. The Philistines were on the coast and, uh, you know, that Gaza Strip, we call it today, on the coast of the Mediterranean, and that's right up against Judah. Well, we know that we've come to a place where the Philistines are rulers over Judah, and you would think if the pattern would hold from the earlier judges that Samson, being a judge, would be called by God to rise up to raise up an army, to lead them in battle against the Philistines, to defeat them, and to remove the yoke of the Philistines from off of Judah. But that's not what happens. And part of the reason why that doesn't happen is because the the Judahites and the rest of Israel still remain very unfaithful. Uh, We can see here, even in this passage, they're, they're full of the fear of man and divisiveness and dishonesty and it's just it's just an ugly situation and so god instead fills samson with the spirit and uses him to be sort of a guerrilla tactic warrior sort of a a terrorist of sorts where he's he's harassing the philistines uh for grievances that they've done to him with his you know supernaturally empowered strength and fighting ability so he goes back to get his wife. And just to fill you in on where we left off, remember in the last chapter, it was two days ago that we were there, Samson's wife, who was a Philistine woman, she was pressured by the guys in her village to tell her the meaning, tell them the meaning of the riddle that Samson had posed to them, which is, you know, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. And so they were they pressured Samson's wife to find out the answer of the riddle from Samson. And she had pressured him and coerced him, and he finally gave her the answer. She turned around and gave it to the Philistines, 
and they were able to uh, to solve the the riddle and escape from the obligation to provide Samson with 30 changes of clothing. And so after some time, Samson goes back to get his wife, but he had left her. And at the end of 14, it tells us that when he left her in anger and went back to his father's house, his wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. So he goes back now to to sort of reclaim his wife and she's been given to another man. And you can kind of understand why her father would do this. Uh, it was really kind of a bad situation if uh, a man takes you as, as his wife and then he doesn't want you anymore and you're cast away. And for the father, like he needed to get her married off again as quickly as possible because socially she would sort of be ostracized and, and have problems. And so if Samson's companion, the best man, was willing to fulfill the marital duties and take her as his wife, then that was a good arrangement. And it's been some time after some days. So it's kind of reasonable what uh, Samson's father-in-law has done. And yet it's also not because marriage is to be a lifelong covenant. That's the way God always designed it to be. But yet Samson was, you know, unfaithful and he rejected her. And yet she was unfaithful and disloyal to her husband. So the whole thing's a mess. And we find this in the Bible a lot where sin upon sin upon sin upon sin. And you even ask like, what would be the right thing to do in that situation? And it's not always super clear. And I love this about the Bible. The Bible is not written like some fairy tale or some folk tale or some simplistic moralistic tale where do the right thing and good things will happen. You know, uh, it's not always possible to even know what the right thing to do is in a given situation, especially once sin has already made a complicated mess out of things. What's the best way out requires wisdom. And what's not happening anywhere in this chapter? What is completely absent in this entire chapter? Seeking the Lord, going to God, praying, asking the Lord what his will would be. You know, Gideon, for all of his cowardice and for all of his sort of vacillating back and forth and, and, and asking God again and again, at least he was seeking the Lord. At least he was wanting to know the Lord's will. And, and Jephthah, for his rash vow, for his, you know, really unwise vow that he makes, at least he was calling upon the name of the Lord. Here, we don't see Samson seeking the Lord. We don't see Judah seeking the Lord. We don't see them saying, well, we're in a bad situation. Let's let's pray and seek the Lord. Let's get rid of our idols and go worship God at the tabernacle and see what he would say. No, we don't see any of that. We just see sinful mess upon sinful mess. And yet, in the midst of that, we see God working. God is working to weaken the grip that the Philistines have over the people of God in Judah. And so first, Samson gets these foxes and puts torches between their tails and sets them free, and they burn down the the grain. And then the Philistines decide to respond to that by going and killing uh, Samson's wife and father. And he says, well, if that's what you're going to do, this is clearly you're guilty of shedding innocent blood, so I'm going to get you back. And he just he just beats them. He you know strikes strikes them hip and thigh with a great blow. We don't know exactly how many men are involved or exactly what happened as a result, but he he really single handedly takes on a large group of Philistines and defeats them. 
And so then he goes and encamps um, in, in the cleft of the rock at Edom. And the Philistines come and they're going to take it out on Judah. Again, the Philistines are ruling over Judah. And so they're going to come and take it out on Judah. And Judah says, wait a minute, this is about Samson? Well, we'll just go get him and hand him over to you. Wait a minute, if he's the Holy Spirit appointed God-empowered judge who's able to do great deeds in battle, why don't these 3,000 men go to Samson and say, hey, Samson, lead us in battle against the Philistines. They're coming up to harass us about you. No, they don't do that. They say, we're going to bind you and we're going to hand you over to the Philistines. Here they, I mean, this is bad. Things have gotten really bad in Israel if they're taking the God-appointed judge and they're binding him because he has attacked the Philistines and they're handing him over to the Philistines rather than following him into battle against the Philistines. So this is not, not a good situation. But Samson says, just promise me you're not going to attack me yourselves. And he says he won't. And then he gets a fresh jawbone of a donkey and strikes down a thousand men. I mean, this is a powerful, unbelievably strong and fierce warrior who is obviously God empowered. But the Judahites don't see that. They don't see what's plainly right before their eyes. And that is here is a champion who is so boldly empowered by God that he could take out a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. That before that, you know, he could beat them, uh, strike them hip and thigh, and they would be pursuing after him. They, they just don't get it. They're blinded by their fear of man, by their faithless idolatry, and they're not seeking the Lord. So the end of this story for this chapter is that he's very thirsty. He calls upon the name of the Lord. Finally, we hear him calling on the Lord. But is it a faithful prayer? Is it a prayer that says, oh Lord, I trust you? No, he just says, you've granted me this great salvation, but now I'm going to die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. And God graciously provides him with water. I think we can see in this story that even when sin among God's people is great, even when faithlessness is rampant, even when things are just completely off the rails, God is still faithful. God keeps his promises. God protects his people. God keeps his covenant, even when we don't. And we can study church history and see this again and again, where God's people have gone pretty far off the rails, and God keeps his promises, and very often he'll raise up someone to be a reformer or a voice in the wilderness. And sometimes that person is attacked by the people of God and like burned at the stake and killed like Jan Hus, uh, the great Czech reformer uh, of the 1300s. But then God raises up a Martin Luther after that and they're not able to put him to death. You know, so God is at work even when things are dark and things are unfaithful. But that's of course not an excuse to be unfaithful. We should be faithful. And it's also showing us every time we see a judge or a king in the history of Israel, they all fall short of being what God has called them to be, which always ultimately draws our minds back to Christ, who did not fall short. Although he was despised and rejected, he was bound up by the men of Judah, and he was handed over to the enemy oppressor, right? Only he submitted unto death, but his death was victory over the greater enemy of God's people. So we see 
in the falling short of the judges, we see the greatness of Christ. But even in some of these details of these stories, we see echoes and foreshadowings of Christ, who was betrayed by his brothers into the hands of his enemies, where he won a great victory, right? But through a cross. God is always at work. Sometimes we miss it because we're looking for it to look nice and neat and the way that we expect. But we need to trust that no matter how dark the circumstances are, God is at work, God is faithful, and ultimately our judge and champion and savior has won the final victory over our enemies and we can follow him to our eternal rest with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Judges 15. Thank you for the story of Samson. Thank you for the powerful way that you used him to accomplish your will despite his sin and the sin of his people. You were at work and to you be the glory in all things always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's Judges 15. Tomorrow we'll go on to Judges 16. Hope you can join us for that. And as always, have a very blessed day in the Lord.